Um, I think sometimes we deceive ourselves into a false value system where things that are really not all that wonderful become wonderful to us. And when that happens, Jesus becomes less wonderful. Um, so I want to encourage you not to be in that number. Look at Genesis 28 with me this morning. I want to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And appreciate that music. That is a blessing. It's a blessing to have good music in church. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 28. Now we're talking about walking with God. And we've been looking at uh, Old Testament characters. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham and Isaac. And last week we talked about Jacob. We're going to talk about Jacob again today. Uh, We learned about how when you take something that God may even desire for you, but you manipulate your way through it and you steal the blessing ahead of God's time, that, that you're going to learn basically how not to walk with God. And we learned that last week looking at Jacob. Uh, let me just say this. After you get saved, you're in a church where we're going to address one of two people. And it's not black versus white or Hispanic versus uh, Asian or Democrat versus Republican or liberal versus conservative. We're going to talk about this. You're lost or you're saved. All right, and, and listen, if you're, if you're not saved, you're lost, that means you've never been born again. Uh, the most important thing in your life right now is getting saved, all right? And, and if you're, can I get a witness from you saved, folks? You guys are real quiet, and it's kind of eerie me out a little bit right now, all right? Uh, and, and if you're saved, the most important thing in your life, it is not your job, it is not your family. I know this sounds blasphemous to some people. It is not your relationship, even with your spouse. It first, listen, your relationship with your spouse and your family and your job and your money and all the other stuff will be affected by this one thing. How do you walk with God? Uh, years ago, I was taught the most important thing in your life is your fellowship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, those that make the mistake of replacing that with anything else suffer the consequences as Christians. So believers, today we're going to talk about learning to walk with God. And, and Jacob obviously stole the blessing and he's running right now away from home. And what he's doing is he's learning to walk alone. Because Jacob his whole life has had the comforts of home and family and now he's on his own. And Jacob doesn't know who the Lord is, but he's going to learn about who he is. And Christian, let me say this. There's some places in your life that only you and God can go. And uh, there's some things we can learn here. Look at Genesis 28. Genesis 28, look if you would, starting in verse number 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba. Why did he leave home? Well, look at verses 1, 2, and 3. He is sent out by his father, and, and obviously his brother wants to kill him. So, uh, you know, if you got kind of that kind of trouble at home, I guess you do have to leave. Uh, I, you know, I, I've not been in that situation myself, but I would say this. If your brother, if you stole your, you know, your brother's uh, future from him, and now he wants to kill you, I guess leaving home is probably not a bad idea, right? And so that's what Jacob is doing. Uh, and as Jacob goes, I believe this. I believe that Jacob understands who God is through his dad. And Jacob understands the God, uh, uh, the, the, the blessings of God, but he doesn't yet know the God of blessings. And he's going to learn that. Uh, look at verse number 10. Uh, verse 10 says, uh, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place. Now, you may not know this. We're going to come back to kind of make more sense of this. But that trip that sounds like a real short trip, that's 450 miles. No car. You must want a wife real bad when you leave home and go 450 miles. Right? I mean, back in the 90s, there was a song, and I would walk 500 miles. Close, close to 500 miles, close. 
right? 450 miles, that's a long way. Uh, look at verse number 11. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. <laughs> the older I get, the more I, I don't like traveling. And I like my pillow. I don't mean like Mike Lindell's my pillow. I just mean my own pillow. Like, I like having my pillow. Uh, when I go somewhere, it doesn't matter how nice it is, the pillow just doesn't work. And here's this guy using stones for a pillow. You say, why? I think there's some things he has to learn about the Lord. He's only going to learn in this way. He has stones for a pillow and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I like this, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I'm going to ask the Lord to bless the word this morning. Brother Tim, good to have you back from Alaska. If you ask the Lord a blessing on the word. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Let me just say by way of introduction that Jacob is kind of reaping a little bit of what he's sown. And, and Jacob, you know, basically said, I want what my brother has. You guys remember Esau is a man of the field. He's a rough guy. He's a hunter. And so now Jacob gets to go camping. <laughs> and, and by the way, I think it's funny as Americans, if you make enough money to buy camping equipment, you're rich. All right. And so rich people in America Go to the mountains so they can live like homeless people for a couple days. Isn't that true? 
They go camping. That's what Jacob is doing. Jacob is camping, and he's going to find out he's not alone. God's with him. And I'm going to say this. Uh, listen, not everyone here is living Jacob's life. Not everyone here has stolen a blessing or manipulated others and is reaping the consequences of their sins and, and, and of their actions. I get that. But I'm going to tell you this. Jacob learned something. That, that Jacob had to go through, unfortunately, the hard way. I, I've got all kinds of, you know, we got six kids, and every kid's a little bit different. And, and one kid, you can tell them something one time, they go, okay. The other one goes, why? And, and then the other one goes, not just why, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not just ask why, but when you give me the answer, I'm going to defy that answer, and I'm going to prove you from all kinds of different means. I'm going to argue with you and reason with you about why your answer is not sufficient. And you know what that kid has to go through? All the hard stuff. And all of God's kids are a little bit different. But I know this much about us. Enough, we have enough Jacob in all of us to learn from Jacob's story. You know what Jacob is? Jacob knows how to get things through the flesh. And Jacob wanted a blessing. He got the blessing. So now Jacob is camping and Jacob is walking alone. And can I say this? You don't have to be living Jacob's lifestyle to learn the value of walking with God alone. Now let me say this much. For some of the moms in here with little ones, you know what you want right now? You do want alone time. Can I get a witness from some of the moms with little ones? All right, you ever go to the bathroom and like under the door is like little fingers? And you're just like, I want two minutes alone. I just want two minutes. There are days when, you know, I work from home some days and MOI's like, can you just do this for five minutes? I'm like, sure, no problem, you know? I'm like, no big deal. And after five minutes, I'm like, man, this job's hard. And there's times where, you know, she goes to the bed, I just want five, and the kids at my, my, you know, and now with Olivia, oh man, Olivia's in this really fun stage, and she now understands when I say no, and I mean no, the other day she got, got on, a, uh, she was having a real fit with Emma, and Emma was telling her not to do something, not to touch something, and, and Olivia goes, ah, like this, and Emma goes, no ma'am, and she goes, ah, like that, and I said, Olivia, no, and she looked at me, and I walked over, I said, you say sorry to Emma, and she goes, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And then she literally, I'm not making this up, she fell on me and went like this. As if to say, don't give me a spanking, right? Like, she just never even gotten one. She already knows what's happening. She knows what's going on. It's, it's almost like, like can, can I say this? There is a real practical lesson there for Christians. Instead of kind of doing like this and go, God, you show me. Uh, let me tell you something. It's a whole lot bigger. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But all kids are a little bit different, and you know that some of them just, they don't learn it the easy way. Like they have to go through it. And sometimes, as believers, we just have to go through it. So you look at Jacob and go, what, what did Jacob learn? He learned the value of being alone. Listen, he's by himself, no beast of burden that the Scripture tells us of, 450 miles. Do you realize what that is? That's a lot of alone time. That's a lot of alone time. I know some moms here wish they could be alone. I can tell you this. There's some men that go, I just need a wife. I don't want to be alone anymore. You know why? Because there we go right there. All right. You know why? Because the Bible says it's not good for the man to be alone. Uh, you ever just dream of just like, I just need some alone time. We like alone time, but almost, just to an extent. I read this story. It's a true story. Uh, over in Italy, there was a man. This is recently took place. A man... And his wife got, and, and uh, the Italians are, you know, the you know, Latins. And so Latinos, we talk with our hands, you know. And, and when we argue, it's being passionante, you know. And, and, and like, you know, it's, it's my wife always says, why do you have to go to extremes? I'm like, because I'm Latino, that's why, you know. <laughs> and, and like, you know, why are you bringing someone from 20 years ago? Because I, d I don't have any arguments from today, so I'm going 20 years ago, that's why. <laughs> but I'm going to win this argument, right? And it's this Italian couple, they get in a fight. True story, not making it up. This guy goes on a walk to cool off. 
It turns out to be a 280-mile walk. That is some cooling off. He said, what do you need? He just needed some alone time. Uh, 280 miles, he walked from Como, Italy to Fano, Italy. And when he was found at 2 a.m. by the cops, they didn't believe his story until the wife showed up and paid for the hotel bill. <laughs> he said, what was the problem? I just need some alone time. You know what's funny? We all say we want alone time until it's with God. We all say we want alone time until God is the one that goes, okay, I'm going to remove everything out of your life because this is what has made you who you are. And what has made you who you are will never make you who I want you to be. And Jacob was a byproduct. You can, you can say, well, you know, preacher, you always say that we shouldn't say we're a byproduct of our environment. I don't believe that. Jacob's going to learn. He can, he can have choices in the midst of everything. But I'll say this much. Jacob learned a lot from Rebecca. You know what the Bible says in Romans 9? It says that before those boys are born, God said, I'm going to bless this one. And that mama knew it. Romans 9, check it out, read it later. If mom knows it, you know what that means? Mom knows in the back of her head, well, if I know that, then I got to make it happen. There's some things that you know that you don't have to make happen. And so Jacob is coming out of home after stealing the blessing from his brother. And it's interesting because out of a 450-mile journey on foot, God does not mention anything else but this encounter that Jacob has with God. You say, why is that? Because sometimes there are some things that we cannot experience without first being alone. You know what? None of us like it. None of us like, I mean, we want temporarily we want to be alone, but not permanently. There's something in us that desires fellowship and companionship. And you are made that way by the Lord, by the way. But I'll just say this much. Uh, Adam and Eve, you remember the story? I know some that's going to pull on the heartstrings right now. And anyone that's, you know, planning on getting married soon, you know. And, and uh, if you got any advice for marrying a dare in particular, give it to this guy right here. I'm sure you could use that. All right. But if you're getting ready to get married and you're a guy, you know what you're thinking of? You're thinking of Adam and Eve, right? It is not good for the man to be alone. But can I just say this much? And I'm not taking away from marriage. I'm not trying to kill the romance of Adam and Eve or anything like that. But the reality is this. If Eve was going to fix all his problems, why does sin not enter until after they're together? I'm not blaming. No, ladies are like, mm, I think I know where you're going. Probably not where you think I'm going. I'm not blaming the woman. I'm not Adam right now, right? By the way, you know what Adam does? <laughs> I love this. We're talking with the college and career guys. And it's interesting. When you read the verse, it doesn't just say it's the woman. He says, it's the woman that thou gavest me. Adam wasn't just blaming her. He's blaming God. We're not making that mistake this morning. All I'm saying is this. If, if having that other person is what makes you complete, then why do they go down the road one, that they do once they have each other? The answer is you, no other person can make you complete. Amen. I know that we all love you. You complete me. The only person that completes you is Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you're not going to walk with him the right way, it doesn't matter who else is in or out of your life. You will not be happy. How about this? Joseph being thrown into a pit. Look at Genesis chapter 37. I just want to take a little trip through the scriptures for just a moment by way of introduction. Look at Genesis 37, the value of being alone. Genesis 37. Look, if you would, at verse 23. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him. I mean, the kind of the way I envision this is here comes little Joe. <laughs> hey, guys, you know, and, and they don't, Bible doesn't say that they say anything. They just grab him, start taking his stuff off. I honestly, in my mind, I think he thinks it's a joke at first. I think he's like, all right, guys, okay, there's my coat. Okay, give it back. They're not giving it back. 
And now they grab him, and what do they do? They throw him in a pit. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in this chapter, there's no water in that pit. It's empty. And you know what Joseph has to listen to? He has to listen to his brothers talk about them uh, selling him into slavery. He has to hear that, as the Bible says, as they're eating bread. They're having lunch. They're eating a sandwich. They're having some Chick-fil-A, right? And they're sitting there eating lunch, and they're talking about selling their brothers, and he's in that pit by himself, and he's listening to that. You might think, what's the value in any of that? Look at Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Christian, you know what I'm trying to tell you? You better learn to be alone sometimes. You better learn to be okay with it. You better learn to have, see the value in walking alone with God. Because there are some places, let me tell you right now, that even your spouse cannot help you in. That your children, your parents, I'm not saying not to have conversation, not to, but I'm telling you, there's some places that you have to go with just you and the Lord. And none of us like the idea of being alone in those moments. Genesis 39, look if you would at verse number 20. I, I, this story has always bothered me. Joseph does the right thing. It's one thing when you're alone because you're an idiot. Amen. Have we all not play, uh, paid stupid tax? Anybody here ever done that before? All right, you know, the, the high school kid wants to buy a new car, and they're like, oh, what does interest mean? <laughs> you're going to find out. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you pay for these things, and you think you're getting a deal, and you're not really getting a deal. Uh, listen, that's one thing. But when you're doing the right thing, and you know the story, Joseph's boss's wife uh, comes on to him and tries to flirt with him, and he rejects that, and one day it, it turns into more than that, and he runs for his life, and he does the right thing. Where does he end up? Look at verse 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. You know what Joseph probably thought to himself? I've been here before. God got me out of that pit. And Lord, you got to get me out of this one. Look at verse number 21. I think this is important to note. It's important to note that even though he was in prison by himself, the Lord was with him. See, none of us want to be alone. Matter of fact, some of you have insecurities about it. And, and you'll do all kinds of things to be a part of it and attach yourself to people and groups, some of which are actually hurting you because you're so worried about being alone. Some will, will enter into relationships that will damage them for the rest of their life simply because I'd rather not be alone. And let me say this again. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a martyr and tell you I love to be alone. What I'm trying to say is this. You will never be who God wants you to be. The best version of you, Christ in you, hope of glory, working that out of your life. If all you ever do is look at the fact that I'm alone and I need someone and God is right there. And he wants to be the person that you lean on not others. Moses, look at Exodus chapter number three. Exodus chapter three. You know the story, but we're going to visit it anyways. Exodus chapter three. You see, Moses is a little like Jacob. He kills a guy and he runs for his life. And uh, he's running and some may even argue that he's running from God. I don't know, but under this, he's running, and he, he's there, and, and the, the Bible says he gets married, and he has a, a family, and, and with that family comes the in-laws. Look at verse number one of Exodus 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. 
and came to the mountain of God. Can I just say this much? No one likes being on the backside of the desert. If you said, you know, like uh, Google, you know, uh, uh, where is Hung's palace, for example, and, and it will tell you to turn down this road and take I-225 and go down here. And, but, but if you say, Google, where's the backside of the desert? Google's going to go, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. You say, why? Because no one knows where the back, God does. And can I say this? No one wants to be on the backside of the desert, but can I say that's where the mountain of God is? Look at verse number two. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, who's Moses talking to? To himself. <laughs> he's got no one else, man. The only thing he's got is a stick that's basically his best friend he walks around with, and that stick is the only thing that, that he has. And he walks around with that stick, and, and eventually God tells him to throw it down. But what I'm getting at is this Moses, when he says in verse 3, and by the way, can I write, can, it's just, just not, not deep, but it's kind of funny. Who writes Exodus? So Moses is like, yep, then I said to myself. <laughs> right? He's talking to himself. Why? There's no one else around. That is, listen to me though, that's how God got his attention. God will not fight with all the other voices and noises in your life. You wait till you're alone. You live in an age of a lot of noise and a lot of voices. Joshua chapter 1. See what happens in Joshua. Well, decades later, decades later, after you get through the Exodus and from chapters like 27 to 40, it's about the the rings and the sockets and the pillars and the goat skin and the dyed purple. And you're like, I don't care, but God does. And then you're like, yes, I got through that. Then like, Lord's like, ha, 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 Leviticus. <laughs> He's like, I want this kind of sacrifice and I want you to cut the animal this way. And you're like, you know, and you're reading all through that stuff and, and talks about leprosy and that's disgusting and the law of jealousy and, you know, her thighs shall rot and they shall say amen and all that good stuff. And then you get through that, you go, okay, I'm through that. And God's like, I got a book called Numbers where you're going to talk about people and how many of them there were and from what tribe, and this guy had this guy, and this guy had this guy, and this guy had this guy, and you get through all that, and you get to Deuteronomy, and then you read about everything that happened the second time. And then God goes, here's Joshua. You see what happens in Joshua? Well, Moses is a great man. Can we agree on that? But you know what happens with Moses? Same thing happens with all men. He dies. And there's some great people in your life that you can look at, but you're going to find out they're not going to be there forever. And eventually Moses dies and passes off the scene. You say, what, is, what does the Lord do? Well, he calls a man named Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 1 and look at verse 2. Talk about a blunt way to start off a conversation. <laughs> I think the Bible is interesting, don't you? God's like, yeah, so uh, Moses is dead. Come on, guys. That's fine. I mean, he's not like, you know, I brought you through this and I did this and I did this and, I, and you know, I did this with Moses. He's just like, Moses is dead. And, and, and I'm not. And you're not. And there's a place to go. But, but, but I want you to see this. He says, Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people in the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Can I ask you a question? When the Lord approached Joshua, it doesn't, it doesn't imply that the rest of the congregation is there. As a matter of fact, it kind of looks like God is talking to Joshua by himself. And he says, hey, my servant's dead. I want you. 
Maybe Joshua thinks, I, I can't, I can't, I'm not Moses. Can I say this? You don't have to be Moses if you're Joshua. And, and, and maybe you're not Jacob. I don't know who you are, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this much. You can learn from being alone. Look at verse number five in that same chapter. You know what it says here? As I was with Moses, latter part of the verse, so I will be with thee. You know what Joshua learned? Moses was a great man. But Moses wasn't what made Moses great. It was the God of Moses that made Moses great. And if that same God is still alive and on his throne, then I can be what God wants me to be. You might remember the story. I'm not going to read it, but you might remember the story of Elijah and how God has to bring him into a cave by himself. When you read the Bible, there's some interesting things that take place in caves, some good, some bad. Uh, David is there at the cave of Adullam, and you know that story, and the, the men that are in, de- de- in debt and distressed and discontented and all that stuff, and, and, and all these people gather to him and eventually becomes a great army, but he's in a cave, and it's, it's a place that's dark, and it's a place that's lonely. Uh, God brings Elijah to a cave, and it's a place that's dark, and it's lonely, and there's no fanfare, and I really believe this. One of the, one of the worst things that we have done in the American church, whether it's the modern church or fundamentalism in either direction, the worst thing that we've done is we've said, you know what, you matter because you have a platform and you matter because you're doing stuff publicly and that matters to God. It is not the public stuff that matters. Judas was there to raise the dead and to feed the 5,000. It wasn't what he did in public, but what he did in private that made him who he was. Christian, I'm trying to get you to understand. Some of you are so connected to everything that's going on in the world, on Facebook, on this, on that, and you know what's going on, and you know what's going on in that person's life, and in that person's life, and sometimes that's a distraction because you don't want to deal with you. God is saying, hey, I want you alone. I don't think it was Jacob's first choice. I think if Jacob could have stolen the blessing and kicked Esau out, he would have but he needed to go. And I'll say this, when you're alone, one of the temptations you're going to have is you're going to say this, God did this to me. And what you ought to learn to do is say, God is doing this for me. Because there's some things you can't learn in the crowd. Can I remind you that the Lord would take his disciples, he would preach a message to all the people, right? And then he'd go aside with his disciples and he would explain the parables. You know what that means? You don't get in the crowd what you get from the Lord one-on-one. You are living, listen to me, in a day of social anxiety because everything is connected, social this and social that. It's about people and about being in a group and join this community and join that community and get connected here and all this stuff. And you're constantly doing that with people, 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 people. What about the Lord? Jacob, running from his brother. You could argue maybe running from his problems, but I'll tell you one person you can't run from is God. You know, I think Jacob is going to learn the strength isn't perfect without weakness. You know what being alone does? It highlights some things about you. You have to deal with you. You know what you see when you get in the mirror? You see little blemishes, and you know what this is? This is what, what filter do I use? There's no filters with God. 
I think that's why sometimes you don't want to be alone. You know, Paul says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I read this in a book. This guy named Jim Rohn writes about business and stuff. He says this, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I believe that. It may not be scripture, but I believe that. That's why when you have good friends, you got, you got good habits and so on and so forth. When you have bad ones, you have bad habits. Can I get a witness on that? Yeah. Right. How about when you're just with God? You think maybe the reason God wants you with him is so that some of his attributes rub off on you? The other day at the College and Career Fellowship, a young lady very sweetly asked, do you guys recycle? And I started laughing, not because of the question, but because anybody know where we live? <laughs> We're just lucky to have them pick up the trash, man. <laughs> so I was like, no, I, we don't recycle, you know. Uh, but I can tell you what, the Lord is a recycler. Look around the room. Amen. He is a recycler. He takes junk and he turns it into something, Amen. amen. Uh, you know, there's that story of that, that potter and that, that lump of clay on the wheel. You say, what is that? He which hath begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that potter does? He makes it again another vessel. It looks nothing like the lump of clay from whence it started. But can I say this? There's not 50,000 lumps of clay on the same wheel. There's one lump, one potter, and one wheel. That's you and God alone. Jacob learned some things. Number one, can I say this? Walking with God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 28. Walking with God. By the way, a couple weeks ago, we had some issues with the thermostat. Uh, and Brother Tim helped to kind of get that squared away. So now the cold air is working again. Therefore, for those of you that get really cold, we've got blankets right in that room. And if anybody needs one, please get one. Uh, all right. Or get Joe to go ahead and throw you one like at a football game. All right. Uh, but uh, look, if you would, at Genesis 28, number one, walking with God, can I say this? It is not always going to be convenient. It is not always going to be comfortable. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 10, Jacob went out from where? Home. And he went toward where? A different place. And that by itself, in of itself, that 460 or so mile trek. But guys, that, by the way, that's basically here to Salt Lake City. That eight-hour drive to Salt Lake City, that one-and-a-half-hour flight, you know what that is when you're walking? If you walk eight hours a day, if there's adverse weather and you've got to hunker down somewhere, it could take longer. But if you walk consistently for eight hours a day, it would take you about 23 days to get there. So let's just be real and let's acknowledge that maybe you got sick or maybe there was bad weather. You're looking at a month of your life that you are on your own. You know what I would have said, God, is there a way to kind of, you're going to give me a blessing and give me a, the, the blessing of my father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you just kind of transport me there? Remember how God does with Philip in the New Testament? Do you ever wish God would do that with you? He doesn't do that with you because there are some things that you need to learn by walking along with him for certain periods of your life. I can tell you this, it'd be a lot of time to think. A lot of time to think about what happened at home. Whose fault was it? I mean, maybe Jacob thought initially, why should I have to leave? Right? You know what Jacob had to think about? Himself and the Lord. Today's culture needs more of that. We're not alone to think enough. Even when you're in the car, you got something going. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to preaching. But you know, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay, it happened to me this morning. I was going to go out to the barn, do some chores, and uh, I didn't have my, my, my minions, my boys, right? Like, we go out and do these things together, and they weren't there. They were partying with Grandma. They can't, I saw them this morning, uh, bags under their eyes. <laughs> what did you guys do, you know? I don't know if you guys know this. Grandma ain't the typical grandma. She can, she's a night owl. She'll be up partying until 2 a.m., right? 
and, and so they weren't there, and so I got to do the chores on my own, and so I, I do what, I, what I've done oftentimes. I get my AirPods out. I'm going to listen to some preaching. And I couldn't get the stupid things to connect, and it's almost like the Lord just said, how about we just talk? And on top of that, I lost the AirPods. So I think God's trying to tell me something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I'll say this. Even with good intentions, we fill our minds with noise. And, and it's almost like I just, you just need to think a little bit. When's the last time you drove in the car and didn't turn on KOA, didn't turn on Glenn Beck, didn't turn on, you know, I don't know, whatever the new thing is, and just drove and thought and prayed with your eyes open? Right. <laughs> I love when I'm talking to someone, you know, I'm like, hey, brother, let's pray. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm driving. I'm not going to close my eyes, right? Uh, but, but at the same time, can, can I just, and all, and all joking aside, the, the problem is we're not alone. And once we are alone, we fill it with noise. You ever just get in your car and go, why do I even have this on? You know, I've heard people say, I've heard people say, I don't have time to read my Bible. No, you need to make time to be alone. If you're a Christian, can I say this? It's not going to be convenient. It may feel like a really long trip. And you may go, oh my goodness, why am I antsy? I don't know. Why are you antsy? Why can't you be in quiet for five minutes? or 10 minutes, or 30 minutes. Why does it make you uncomfortable? It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> We're not used to it. You're used to constantly having something going. That trip wasn't convenient. Can I tell you what else wasn't? Look at verse number 11. I don't think Jacob was like, this is a great place to be. I just think he ran out of time and the sun was setting. It's what the Bible says. This becomes one of the most memorable places in the Bible. This is what becomes a place called Bethel. And it is referred to th hundreds of times in your Bible over and over. You know what God used? Listen to me very carefully. The natural circumstances of life to put him in a place where he would have to be alone with God. I don't, re I, to me, it doesn't be, I don't feel like James like, man, this is an amazing place. He doesn't come to that realization until after God shows up. Jacob just goes, well, the sun's setting. I've got no other options. You ever felt like I've got no other options and now I need to pray? You ever felt like, why, why do I even say that? All I can do is pray. Because we live in the natural realm where we try to become Jacob and move things around instead of saying, you know what? I need to be alone. I need to trust God. I need to hear his voice. I need to quit relying on everything and everyone else, including myself. It's not comfortable. The Bible says in Verse 11, he took stones for his pillows. That doesn't sound comfortable at all. I'm going to tell you right now, if you stone for pillows, like, don't, don't come to me at the church and be like, I do that. <laughs> I'm like, you're crazy, you're an idiot, man. You know what you are? You are the reason why chiropractors have job security. <laughs> like, like, no one does that naturally. No one thinks that. I mean, I, I, in my mind, Jacob's like, okay, where's the pillow? Oh, I left it at home. Can't go back. Brother's going to kill me. Can't go there. What am I going to do? I'm going to take what I don't want to take and what I would not normally take, the natural resources that I find in my life, the circumstances of life. Sometimes all you've got is a stone to sleep on. And there's times of your life where things are hard. They don't make sense. And it's not comfortable. And you say, God, why? And the Lord says, look, if you could just learn to rest in me, that stone can become a pillow. 
You know, the New Testament tells us of a time when the disciples are freaking out. That's the, the, the common uh, 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 language of today. They're free. You say, what are they doing? They have no peace. And there's a storm that they're at. And you know who's in the, in, the, in the belly of that boat? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he's doing? He's sleeping. Look, I, I'm an island. You know, my family's from Puerto Rico, but I got no use for boats, man. <laughs> no, not at all. They're just basically, you know, let's go on a cruise. You can knock yourself out being on a city where you're locked down and you can't leave. That sounds like prison. That ain't a vacation to me, man. Well, I have no use for that. Like, boats don't do anything for me. We did a little boat, you know, thing out from where we in Puerto Rico, but it was like one of these little boats, and you just go out a little bit, and you come back. I'm cool with that. The ones that go way far out, and you're stuck with strangers you don't even like, and they're partying, and they're loud, and they're drunk, and they're obnoxious. Amen. And, 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 and then on top, I know, so I'm probably dashing someone's honeymoon dreams or something right now. <laughs> Apologies, a thousand pardons, but, but honestly, that does nothing. And the idea that the Lord is asleep in that boat with all the chaos that is going on. Why? Because when you're walking with God, that stone can become a pillow and you can rest in God and get your dreams and your visions aligned, not with your plans, but His. You know what's not convenient about this entire ordeal? He's about 50 miles into the trip. That means he's got a long way to go. Why does God interrupt him? I'll tell you why God interrupts him. Because he wants to understand, Jacob, it's not about your plan. It's not about your trip. It's about me. Can I say Mary and Joseph's situation wasn't convenient? Elijah running from Jezebel wasn't convenient, but he learned about the Lord in that cave. Peter walking on the water wasn't convenient. David learning more about the Lord from being alone and fighting bears and lions. That wasn't convenient, but he learns about the Lord that way. He speaks about it in the Psalms. You say, what is that, alone? Not comfortable, but alone. After the resurrection, the disciples are, are in a room and they've got the doors shut and there's no one else from the world there. It's a small assembly, and you know what they're doing? They are afraid of the outside. And in the midst of that, the Lord walks in. The doors are shut. I love how the Bible puts it in there. The door's being shut, and he walks right in. I, I, I can't wait to have a glorified body. Amen? You know, I just walk through walls. It's pretty cool. Come on, come on. That is, Hollywood has nothing on the Bible, all right? And so Jesus walks in the midst there. The Bible says there he was in the midst of them. You know what they are? They are alone from the world before the Lord shows up. Try to get you to understand John the Revelator, as the old timers would call him. He's on the island of Patmos. You know what he's doing? He's serving a sentence from the Roman government. You know what he is? He's alone. And Peter's gone. And James is gone. His business partners. And Andrew's not there. And all the disciples have gone their separate ways. Some of them are already dead at that point. He's probably close to 90 years old. And he's on this island by himself, and there's nobody else around. You know what God does? God shows him things that no one else ever got to see. You go, I want that. I want God to show. You need to learn to be alone. And it's not going to be comfortable, and it's not going to be convenient. And let me say this. If you're here and you've never been born again, I need you to understand something. You need to learn to come to a place called Calvary. And you need to look at Jesus Christ and forget the hypocrites in the church and forget the, the other people that you know. Forget everyone and every, every other religion and put all that out. And you need to just do what that centurion did at the cross and behold the man, Jesus Christ. 
and look at him by yourself and go, you know what? I'm not like him. I can't say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't think that way. I wouldn't say to the other thief that was making fun of me just a few hours ago, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I'm nothing like that man, but I want to be. <laughs> Let me tell you what he'll do. If you come to Jesus Christ by yourself with no one else, you know what he'll say? He'll say, I'll take your sins and I'll take your guilt and I'll take your shame, and I'll give you my righteousness, and I'll give you my cleanness, and I'll give you my purity, and I'll give you my joy, and I'll give you my peace. That's a good deal. <laughs> but you don't come with a crowd, and you don't come with a church. You come on your own. You know what the longest walk is for some people? I'm going to show you. The longest walk for some people is right here. When the invitation is given... Everyone's standing up, and they're holding on to that chair. And the Lord's like, go. Kind of looks like you're salsa dancing. You know, I'm going to go. No, I don't want to. I'm going to go. And you know what the longest walk is? It's right here. You say, why? Because I'm walking towards something, and no one else can walk with me. Where am I walking toward? The cross of Jesus Christ. Christian, can I say this? It's not meant to be convenient. If any man will deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, he can be my disciple. Lou Holtz, famous football coach, says, Show me someone who's done something worthwhile, and I'll show you someone who's overcome adversity. Look, if you would, at chapter 28. Look at verse number 13. You know what walking with God does? It reminds you to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what your main thing is if you're saved? Your walk with Jesus Christ. You know what that means? He should have the preeminence. He's, he's first. And that's an easy thing to amen in church. It's a hard thing to live by. Because what we do by nature is we look at, I mean, look, look at uh, Genesis 28. Look if you would at verse number 12. He dreamed and behold a ladder. Oh, man, check this ladder out. If you're there looking at the ladder, maybe it's made of gold, and look at how high it goes, and look at the, the, the structure of that ladder, and look at how far uh, uh, up, up in heaven it reaches, and oh, man, heaven was opened up. This is the gate of heaven. That's what he says, and he's looking at heaven, and he sees the splendors of heaven because God opened it all up, and he could look at the ladder. Oh, maybe he'd go, look at the angels. They're going up and down and up and down. They're coming up there with prayers. They're coming back down with messages and, and all the things he could look at, but I want you to, to, to point your attention not at the angels, not at the ladder, and not even at the place that you're going to go to when you die. I want you to look at who's at the top. Look at verse number 13. And behold, the Lord stood, what's the next two words? You know what walking with God will do? It will remind you to keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about the ladder. It's not even about the place you're going to, the destination. It's not about the angels. It's about the Lord. Let me, show, let me illustrate this way. Go to, go to 2 Chronicles. I know. Can there any good thing come out of Chronicles? We're about to find out. 2 Chronicles. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. There's a man in the Old Testament, one of the kings of Judah, and his name is Uzziah. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. He has one of the longer reigns of the kings Look at verse number three. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and two years in Jerusalem. That, that's a long reign. Look, if you would, at verse 
Number five, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to what? And you see all of his exploits in verse number six. It talks about him beating the Philistines. And in verse uh, 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 seven, it, uh, sorry, excuse me, verse six rather, it talks about him beating the Philistines. And in verse seven, it says that God helped him against those Philistines. In verse number eight, it talks about his name being spread throughout the entire earth. Verse number nine, he built towers. In verse number 10, he had much cattle. In verse 11, he had fighting men. In verse number uh, 13, he had an army of special forces. This guy was kind of a big deal. In verse 15, it talks about all the inventions that were made under his reign. But look at verse 16. When he was strong, you know what, you know what the problem is, Jacob? You got to get to a place where you realize you're not the strength anymore. You're not it. And, and the Lord brings you and puts you alone sometimes to show you that you can't do it by yourself. You need him. The Bible says when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. See, how does that man die? Look at verse 21. He dies as a leper. He has leprosy. And you know what has to happen? He has to live separate from everyone else. You know what God said? You can be alone one of two ways. The good way or the bad way. I say let's go the good way. You know what he does? He dies as a leper. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Now, the reason why I say this is because in this chapter it says... As you turn to Isaiah chapter 6, I'll read this to you. Uzziah died, the, the king was a leper in the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah first and last did Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, write. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Now, can I ask this, just a, a simple question? Wouldn't you say that that king was kind of a big deal? Kind of important? Kind of had impact? On the nation? You know what you know what I learned about good men and bad men? They eventually die. There's only one man that ever died and rose again from the dead on his own power. And that man's name is Jesus Christ. You know what I learned about King Uzziah? Eventually he dies. But here's what's interesting about all of that. While Uzziah was alive, you know everybody looked at? The army, the men, the inventions, the towers, the walls the strong nation we have. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the who. Isn't it funny how sometimes one king has to get out of the way so another king can be seen? You know who Uzziah is, Christian? Listen to me very carefully. Uzziah is you. You can do a lot on your own, but you're never going to see God like you could see him if you don't get out of the way and die. You say, what did Jacob realize? Well, I'm pretty smart, and I know how to get resources. And by the way, he's not done being Jacob yet. I'm not, I'm not trying to insinuate that, but he's learning something from this passage that I believe later on in life he looks back on and realizes God's preeminent. The Bible says that in all things, Christ might have the preeminence. See, this is why your walk with God is so important, because if your walk with God is right and he's first, the marriage goes in the right direction. The children go in the right direction. You're, even if the, the circumstances of life, you don't feel like they're where they ought to be, the reality is regardless of the circumstances in the natural realm, things are where they're supposed to be when your walk with God is right. He's first. I think the problem is we try to get everything else in line, try to get the kids, try to get the marriage, try to get this, try to get the finances, try to get my job. Try, 
instead of just going, I need to focus on him. Can I ask a question? Is he first? You know how you know if he's first? When someone else tries to take his place. When the job becomes first. When the family becomes first. When your plans and how you think it should, should turn out becomes first. I'll give you an example. I, it's simple, simple. I'm not trying to offend anybody. The Bible says to chasten your child. Right? Christians right now, probably even someone in here right now goes, well, I don't know. Okay. That's the problem, Jacob. You think you know better than God. In the small, you may go, that's so small and insignificant. Yeah, but it reflects something about your heart. I know what God said, but I know better. I can parent better than God. I, I can handle this better than what God says. I, I know another way. You, you can go another way, but it will not be the way that is blessed by the Lord. And I'm going to tell you this, if you choose that route, what you will do is you will never, ever experience God like you could, and you'll never be who God wants you to be. You know what I know about walking with God? It brings confidence. Look back at our passage, Genesis chapter 28. We live in an age of extreme anxiety. Like, people go to the grocery store, I got anxiety. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you if you have, like, like clinical stuff going on. I'm not trying to. But, like, my, I'm, I'm talking about, like, you talk to, like, 18-year-olds. What's wrong? I'm so stressed. Dude, right. you live at home. Right your mom folds your stinking laundry. <laughs> Why are you stressed? We live in an age where, where it's virtuous to be stressed out. It's virtuous to be anxious. And can I just say this? There's no virtue in that for the believer. You know what that is? That is you placing your confidence in you. And when you can't meet your needs, you realize there's something wrong. I'll tell you what's wrong. You're trying to do God's job. You know what that leads to? Anxiety. It's a lack of confidence. We have a whole generation of young men. Whole generation of them. That, man, they struggle with confidence. I'm not picking on them. It's because of how they, the, this culture has raised young men. And I'm telling you right now, and young ladies have the same problem, but in a different direction. And because they have the problems that they do, and they see all the, the girl with the perfect image and the perfect figure and all this, they go, I just can't ever measure up to that. And you know what they do? They constantly seek the love of a man that isn't a godly man. Why? Because they're trying to fill a void of insecurity and anxiety. Young men have a problem in a different direction. The point is this. This world doesn't have the answers. So they give you these problems by here. Here's all this garbage. And now that you've got these problems, come to us again and we'll fix it. We'll prescribe something. You won't fix anything. You'll just make someone a zombie. Christian, I need you to understand, you will never become, you know why some of you won't get up and testify in church? Some of you won't be a witness for Jesus Christ. Some of you won't put yourself out there and you withdraw yourself and you think that insecurity is humility and it's not. Me going like this. You know, guys, you guys go do your thing. I won't just by myself. That's not humility. That's pride. Because you are still the center of your obsession instead of God. And you know what you learn from Jacob's story? There's some, Jacob's going to have to figure some things out. He's going to apply some of these lessons later in life. But God is trying to communicate to him that when you walk with God, there is assurance and there's confidence that comes from it. Look, if you would, at verse number 13, as the Lord shows himself in his glory, he starts saying to him, I am the Lord. 
verse 13. I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the one on thy life. To thee will I give it, and to thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. You know, he said, look at verse 15. Behold, I am with thee. You know what God's trying to get Jacob to understand? It's not you that gives you confidence. This is the world's solution to the problems. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You're boss babe, queen, bae, whatever. All these things to make you feel good about you. But it, you know when you're by yourself and all that's gone, you still feel the same. You know why? Because God isn't in the picture. You know what brought Jacob confidence? I am the Lord, not I am Jacob. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Why? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate from the love of God, which is in Christ. You know where my confidence comes from? You know what gives me the ability to say that I'm more than a conqueror? It's not me looking at the mirror and going, all right, Adrian, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. I look in the mirror and go, you're getting old. You, you got white hair showing up. There's more wrinkles just by doing this. Nothing is going in the right direction here. But in God, I am more than a conqueror. Why? My confidence is not me. It's him. Can I say this? Walking with God will bring a spiritual sensitivity to the presence of God himself. You know what's sad about Samson? Samson, I hate that story. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I just, every time I read about him lying down in Delilah's lap, she's like, tell me more, Samson. I'm like, kill her! <laughs> she's a bad girl! <laughs> you know? But her profile says she loves God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> sure, sure. You know what bothers me about that? At the end of that thing, you know what happens? The Bible says, he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. I'm not trying to teach a crazy doctrine. If you're saved, you've been born again. If you've not been born again, we got to come. You don't pass, go, you don't collect $200, right? You must be born again. Jesus did not go, when it's convenient, you should try this out. He didn't say, it's a, it's a nice idea. It's a path of many paths. Ye must be born again. And oh, by the way, when he's talking to that guy, Nicodemus, you know what he says? He didn't say you, he said ye, even though he's talking to one guy. You know why? Because he wasn't just talking to Nicodemus, he's talking to all of us. Ye must be born again. But if you're saved, can I say this? In regards to your walk with God, you need to understand that when it comes to the Lord being in your life, the fullness of his presence, sometimes you miss out. And you go, man, I didn't realize the Lord was trying to work through that whole thing. And you just miss it completely. I wonder when we get to heaven, how many, how many times the Lord's going to go, yep, I was there. And yep, that was me too, yep. And you just go, I just, I, you know, you know what Jacob walks away with? Look down if you would at verse 16. Eventually you got to wake up. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing to do in the morning is? I've never had boys. This is fun for me, okay? Like, this is how you wake up girls. Hey, sweetie. <laughs> Oh, how you do? You sleep well? Oh, do you want some coffee? Daddy will make you coffee. No problem. Yeah. Rise and shine, boys. <laughs> Fling open the curtains. Oh, you know, like, like vampires. What are you doing? And I jump in the bed and start jumping. Come on, let's go. It's good for me. It's good for them. It's good for everybody. But you know what Jacob had to do after that dream? He had to wake up. That's what it says. He awaked out of that sleep. And you know what he said after he woke up? Some of you need to wake up. You know what he said? 
The Lord was here. The Lord was here. And even though I didn't handle everything right at home, he's still with me. Christian, can I say this? I'm not advocating sin. I'm not saying, you know, go out to prove that you're saved by living in sin and see that God's mercy is still right. That's a stupid way to look at the Bible. You go, I wish there was a way, the way you could frame that. Don't say the word stupid. It's a stupid way to look at the Bible. Okay? You can find it, define it a different way if you want to, all right? But, but here's what I will say. Even though Jacob was Jacob, God didn't leave him. God was with him. And you know what Jacob realized? I am not alone. And I had all these plans about how I'm going to handle this and that. And, but now I've got to realize I've got company. And he became a little more sensitive to the fact that he wasn't by himself. You know, you'll live differently as a Christian if you realize it's not just you living life. Yeah. I'm taking the Holy Spirit with me everywhere I go. Yeah. I'm taking him into that argument. About what? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Started about the dog. <laughs> And it ended up being, yeah, well, you talked to that girl in 1998, so, huh, so there, <laughs> right? Like, we don't even know. You take the Holy Spirit in all those things. You take him with you to work. And in the car, in, in the stillness of your thoughts when nobody else is around, and you start devising how you're going to get to the next stage and to the next step. And when the Spirit of God goes, hey, let's not think that way. You see, You see, Jacob, up to that point, there's no acknowledging that God's with him. He's just living life. And he's doing what Jacob does. Then he comes to this place and all of a sudden he's like, whoa. To me, kind of like when you get married, gentlemen, and like before you marry her, you're like, she's, who is she? Oh, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. Oh, her eyes. Oh, her eyes. And then you wake up and you're like, she has ideas and thoughts of her own. <laughs> now it's real, right? You have this image of who God is, and then you realize he has his own thoughts, and they're not mine. You know, Jacob walked away with a little bit more sensitivity to the realization that God was there. You know what I think about? I think about those three Hebrew boys that were thrown in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Babylonian names. And those of you that know the story and you've read your Bible, they, they, they do right. They don't bow down to the image of a false god. They don't, they don't worship in, in a false uh, church setting, if you will. They know what is right. They're thrown into that fire. It is inconvenient. It is uncomfortable. They are by themselves, but they realize something in that fire. They were not alone. And by submitting to that fire, it wasn't just that they realized they weren't alone. The world is watching from the outside going, there's someone else in there with them. You see, when you become more spiritually sensitive to God's presence, it's, it's amazing at how you can reach other people. That young lady, Kiara, you know what she said? I've known Javen since high school. We used to be punks in high school together. <laughs> and she goes, we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff. And she goes, I, I watched him come to church and his life changed. Now, she didn't say it the way you would say it. She didn't say, you know, I watched this transformation. He's a new creature in Christ, blah, blah, blah. You said, why? The Bible's not a part of her life quite yet, but, but she's getting there. She's saved now, amen. amen. Do you know what led to that? I'll tell you what. I'm not trying to, 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 to embarrass him. I know he's not here right now, but that young man has faced some things just to get to Bible school. Yeah. And there's people watching. 
And there's people watching when he's messed up and he's gotten back up. And he's messed up and he's gotten back. You, you advocating we mess up? I'm just advocating you don't stay down. And you say, why? Because you realize that God is with you in this. You're not on your own. And when you take this attitude, it's just me. You know what the problem is? The problem is you're acting as if you are completely ignoring that he's even there. Imagine saying to God, it's just me going through this. And the Lord's like, huh. Appreciate the vote of confidence. You know, if I got up and I said, man, you know, 14 years ago I moved to Aurora, Colorado with this vision and, and I started church in my house and, and I did, and I, you know, after a while, somewhere you'd be like, well, you didn't do it by yourself, bud. Yeah. I had kids. I had Ariana playing piano at 15 when she didn't really know what she was doing. Why? Just because she's trying to help, be a blessing. I didn't do this on my own. I've got people here. Brother Sean has been a blessing. Take these young men out street preaching. I haven't done all this stuff on my own. You don't be a fool for me to say, I'm in this by myself. Let me tell you right now, God brings you alone so you realize that you're not alone. <laughs> this is the whole moral of the story. Jacob walks away from that thing realizing that that God that he heard about, the, the, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac is now his God. Look, if you would, at verse 19. He calls the name of that place Bethel. You say, what does that mean? It means house of God. I, I want to, just for a moment, skip to chapter 35. Can we do that for just a moment? For those watching the clock, two reminders. Reminder one, we started late. Reminder number two, we are now in overtime. It's getting really exciting. We'll see how the score ends, all right? <laughs> chapter 35. Look, if you would, at verse 7, and he built there an altar and called the place, what do you call it? Well, that's a little different. If El means God, Beth, house, house of God, you know what that means? The God of the house of God. Eventually, after Jacob goes through a number of things in his life, he, he winds back up at the same place, but this time he goes, it's not just the place. It's the God that brought me back here that matters. Go back to chapter 28, chapter 28. Chapter 28. Can I say this? Walking with God yields commitment. Look at verse 22. This stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give. Oh, preacher, you're going to talk about tithing again? Come on, giving, come on, preacher. I'm not doing that. But I just want to say this. Isn't it interesting that when Jacob meets the Lord, and Jacob gets along with God, he realizes there should be some commitment there. Can I ask you a question? Who told Jacob he had to do that? Who's the preacher said, Jacob, you better get going. You know what Jacob realized? If God is willing to reveal himself to me, the least I could do is offer some of myself to him. Christian, can I ask you a question? Where's your commitment at? Jesus, I, my cross have taken all to leave and follow me, thee. Go then earthly fame and treasure, come disaster, scorn and pain, in thy service pain is pleasure, with thy favor loss is gain. Is that how you look at it? I'm willing to commit this, not because I have to, I can. <laughs> Lord, you revealed yourself to me. We live in an age where people just don't want to commit to anything. They don't want to commit to marriage, they don't want to commit to, I mean, uh, there was a day and age, I talked to the young men the other day, where you could just shake a man's hand, that's your business deal. Not even close to that, 57 page document to sign a house. 
or maybe a hundred page document to sign and get to buy a house. Why? Just to make sure you cover all, and it keeps people like Joe in business. Keep signing those hundred page documents, all right? But, but what I'm getting at is this. Why do you do that? Because no one will commit unless you force you to commit. God will not force you. He's not going to make you sign a hundred page document. Okay? You know what he's going to do? Here I am. Oh, you want to go that direction? That's fine. Oh, you want to follow me? You want to commit to me? You know what I think the problem with Christians is? It's like, ever, okay, you ever give someone, you ever go out, uh, any of you guys that are going out and try to pass out tracks downtown? You know what happens sometimes? If the first person you try to give one to says, no thanks, or I'm good, or something else, the next five people behind them go, oh. when they see one person take it, they go, oh, huh, huh. <laughs> kind of like lemmings. You know, you know what that shows you? Cowardice is epidemic. So is courage. You know why the church is sitting back and the voices that are out there are getting louder and louder and louder and we're going, what's happening to our culture? I'll tell you what's happening to the culture. It's not going to be fixed with the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, or this guy gets in or that guy gets in. You know what's going to get it fixed? When Christians start being Christians and when there's commitment on your part, people around you go, man, if you're committed to your God that much, there must be something to that. You know, Jacob said, no pressure, no church, no altar call, no nothing. Lord, you showed up to me. I want to be committed to you. He doesn't have it all right. He doesn't have it all figured out. The old song, I decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though people unfriend me, still I will follow. Though no one like me, still I will. That's the American version. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. You know, Elijah says, how long halt you between two opinions? If God's God, commit. I'm, I'm, please bear with me. I have four daughters. This is not a bash on every young Christian man, okay? So when you get offended that I say this, just check your ego at the door. If you don't realize this, you need to get around a little bit. We have a problem with commitment in our culture. And culture is led by the next generation of men. Whether you like that or not, you know why you ladies can't find a good man? Because they ain't around. <laughs> Can I get a witness? You know why they're not around? I'm going to tell you why they're not around. Because the last generation didn't show them how to be men. You know, one of the things that young men need to know, commit even when you don't want to. I'm going to help in this ministry. Not when I feel like it, when the doors are open. I, I, I'm going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Not when I have a good day, when, when I have a, a mouth that I can open my mouth with. I, I, you say, what is that? Commitment. Commitment. Can, can I ask you a question? Do you think, you think anyone was there screaming at Jacob about how he needed to commit to God? Or do you think Jacob just said, you know what? There he is. You know, some people just, they realize a good thing when they find it. Jacob found a good thing in the Lord. Let me close with this thought. Look at Genesis chapter 32. We'll be done. If you're here and you've never been born again, I need you to understand something. You can't walk with God until you first come to Christ. The Bible says that you're born again, and, and when you do that, you, you're as spiritual babies. You're as a spiritual babe in Christ. And 
because of that, there are stages of growth that God wants to bring. And that's what this whole walk with God thing is about. But until you come there, until you come to Christ and you get saved, none of that's going to work. You've got to start there. Those of you that are saved and you're glad you're saved, would you say amen? amen? All right. Well, you know what the message is for you? You say, well, I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm different. I'm new. Praise the Lord. Can I just say this? Every single day you have to die to yourself. And every day God wants to do something in your life. Look at Genesis chapter 32. And without going to all the context, let me just say in verse 24, Jacob was left what? Jacob still had some lessons to learn. And he's left alone, and he wrestles with this angel. Look at verse number 27. You know what the angel asked him? Can, can, I, can I just remind you a couple chapters before? His daddy goes, what's your name? And he says, Esau. Now he comes face to face with God. That's why he calls the name Peniel. And he comes face to face with God and he goes, you got me. I'm not covering up anymore. This is me. This is Jacob. You know what God says? I sure am glad. It only took you five chapters to say it. <laughs> if we could have done this back home, you wouldn't have gone through all this hardship. You would have had to walk 450 miles up that way and then bring your family back down this way. And all the stuff with Rachel and Leah and all that mess, you would have avoided all of that. It could have been done so much better. You could have gone without all that grief. But you know what? Better late than never. Right. Look at he says in verse number 28, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. We have an identity crisis today because people don't know God. You know what happens when you know the Lord? He goes, hey, who you thought you were? That's not you anymore. Israel means prince with God. That's his new name. Jacob means liar, deceiver, supplanter. That was Jacob before. But now he's met the Lord. Why? Because he got to walk with him a little bit on his own. He got alone with God. Some of you need that today. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to respond. Lord, you don't have to reveal anything to us. We don't deserve your revelation, but you do it all the time. And you're faithful daily. And God, I pray that as a church, as a, as a body here, will there be some people that would just, Lord, uh, truly desire to walk with you, even if that means being alone, even if that means through some of the hard times, even if that means, Lord, uh, uh, some, some long journey, some time alone to think, Lord, even if that means inconvenience and lack of comfort, Lord, that they might be sensitive to your leadership, sensitive to the fullness of your presence. Lord, our church will not be any stronger than the walk of the people in it with you. The Lord asks you right now, this week, who are you? Who are you? Would you be honest and say, this is me? You know the reason I lost my temper? It's not because I lost my temper. The reason I lost my temper is because I'm walking in the flesh in my own power. And I still identify with Jacob more than I do you, Lord. See, when Jacob gets a new name, his name means prince with God. Isn't that something? Not prince alone, prince with God. Jacob's new identity is not attached to Jacob. It's attached to God. Christian, that's what you need to learn. Some of you are starting some new ventures in life, going through some uh, new things, and that's great. Remembering these new things, it's still about him. 
He's the priority. He is preeminent. Maybe you're tired of just the same old you. Look, if you're not saved, you need to come to Christ. He'll take all that sin and wash it all away. You may go, well, yeah, but, but you're talking to Christians about their problems. Yeah, they still have problems, but I don't say this much. They don't have the problem of worrying about hell and judgment and facing God without a covering for their sins. They've gotten that taken care of because of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're here and you're lost, I, 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 I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm asking you to consider Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Christians, Christians, you have an opportunity to be alone with the Lord for just a moment. You know, what, you know what God does? He's faithful to this. He reveals himself. You know what it's time for you to do? Reveal yourself. You go, okay, Lord, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I'm not gonna hear, I'm not gonna try to change my name, give myself a new identity. That's what a lot of people try to do. You don't give yourself a new identity. God gives you one. But when Jacob confessed who he was, God says, okay, let's deal with you. Christian, you may need that. Even after salvation. You know what you find yourself doing? You find yourself identifying with you and your family and your job and your career and your ideas and your plans and your wishes and your dreams more than you do the God of all of that. I don't wish this on anyone, but what if tomorrow... There is no family. What if tomorrow there is no job? What if tomorrow there, all the things that you thought made you you were gone? You know what would still be there? God in his fullness. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me ask this question. If you're here and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're a, a born-again child of God, would you just slip up your hand and go, yep, that's me, I'm saved. I'm a born-again new creature in Christ. Amen, lots of hands. It's great, great. You know what that means? That many hands that can go out in this world and make a difference. That's a blessing. Let me ask this question, though. If you're here and you were honest, you, which God appreciates and I do, you're honestly, you said, I don't know that I can raise my hand, but I'd, I'd like to be born again. No one is looking around. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. So that's a simple question. If you're here and you'd like to be saved, you like the idea of God taking all that guilt and shame and sin of the past and washing it away and, and giving you a new identity in Christ and escaping his judgment and experiencing his love. That's what salvation is. If that's you, no one looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed, you don't have to slip up your hand, just maybe look in my direction. I won't say anything, won't drag you down here, won't point you out. I don't want to embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you if there's someone here like that. Say why? It is literally the most important thing in your life. Jesus says it this way, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? It is... It's the eternal you. I'll say this. If, if you are here and you'd like to be saved, right after this service is over, we say amen. I'll, I'll be standing right over there at that door. And 
you're a man, I'd be more than glad to open the Bible. If you'd like my wife to be present, if you're a lady, be make sure that happens as well so you don't feel uncomfortable. But the most important thing is literally 10 minutes of your life opening up the scriptures, looking at what God says about you and how he loved you enough to die for you. And he did all that for you. It can change your life forever. If that's you, I'll be standing right there at that door on the side that goes downstairs. And I expect to see you there. I'd love to open up a Bible and tell you how to be saved. Appreciate you guys today. I know we went a little bit longer than normal. Some of you are going, preacher, don't lie to the visitors. This is normal. Uh, we're normally not quite this long. I'm a long-winded preacher, but this was long. Guys, I, I want, I think, I, I guess the best way I could put it is this. I don't want us to be shallow Christians. And I think much of what represents Christianity today is very shallow. And it's about the outside. It doesn't deal with the real us. God deals with us in the story of Jacob. Uh, let's listen. It is definitely time to pray and go home. The babies have made their their tent, their uh, presence known. They're like, "Mom, are you ever gonna come get me?" I thought the preacher said purgatory was a lie. Okay. Uh, let's let's uh, be dismissed in a word of prayer and uh, thank God for a good day together. Um, where's Brother John Happy? Where are you at, Happy? You here? There you are, Brother. Would you ask God's blessing? And nursing home is after this, right? Some folks going to nursing home. Pray for that, Brother Johnny. You preaching, right? I got a sneak peek of his message. He got a haircut, got rid of the glasses. He's single, ready to mingle. Is that right? <laughs> All right. Johnny, would you, would you, Joe's, you know what Joe's thinking right now? Just thank God he's picking on Johnny. That's what Joe's, <laughs> uh, that's, I can see by the face. Brother Johnny, would, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, brother? Okay.